after much concern from European leaders as to the future of Greece, there is a renewed hope for stability in the Eurozone as Greece forms a new government and plans are started to outline the future of Europe. This is Matt Davies joining you for another Bible in the News. This week has been a week full of activity in Greece. On Wednesday the 20th of June, Antonius Samaras of a political party called New Democracy was sworn in as Greece's new Prime Minister. His party narrowly won the elections which were held on Sunday, although a coalition has had to be made with two other parties to ensure that a government could be formed. He is the fourth Prime Minister in eight months at a time when Greece has seen a great number of street demonstrations by Greeks angered by job losses, pay cuts and reduced welfare resulting from the bailout the EU gave Greece back in May. One of the things the new government of Greece is keen to do is to keep its place in Europe and to stay with the currency of the euro. And it seems that other European leaders also want to see this. The BBC reported that Greek's new Prime Minister has formally pledged to negotiate the EU's austerity measures and that his new government wishes to, quote, revise the terms of the loan agreement without jeopardising the country's European course or its presence in the euro, unquote. The idea would be to allow Greek's economy time to grow, enabling it to pay off its debts over a longer period. The BBC in the same article reported that France's finance minister said after hearing the Greek statement, quote, We know that it means that Greece will have to respect its commitments, but it also means that Europe has to be sensitive to the feelings of the Greek people and take measures in order to help the country achieve growth. Efforts must be made, but at the same time, we have to create conditions for hope. That's what the euro must be about. The Belgian finance minister has also been reported to have said, quote, We need two answers. In the short term, the here and now answer for Greece, for Spain, they are all in need. But also in the longer term perspective, the building blocks that EU Council President Herman von Rompuy and also Eurogroup head Mr. Junkner will outline at the end of the month. The combination of these should give the market confidence, end quote. So we will watch as the European leaders seek to maintain their aim to unify their member states. The long-term goal of the EU leaders has been clear for a while, though. They want to unify the nations of Europe, taking powers away from member states and empowering a central government to rule. Back in February, the Euro Observer website reported how that Jose Barroso, president of the European Commission, had told the Chinese public on his visit to China that the EU would become a fully-fledged political union after the financial crisis was over. He said, quote, It is true that in many of our member states there have been student protests and strikes, This is normal in our open societies where people have a right to protest, end quote. He added that the crisis has prompted a new wave of integration, however, citing the fiscal treaty agreed back in March by 25 EU countries. 
He went on to say, quote, I want to make this very clear to Chinese public opinion because I understand when you see the news, you may be putting some questions. Is the European Union really going to progress? I say, yes, no doubt about it. Precisely because of the problems in the EU area, the conclusion has been to further integrate and to complete the monetary union with a fiscal union, and I believe in the future toward a political union, end quote. Back in 2007, this same Jose Barroso openly compared the European Union with the empires of old. This is what he said. Sometimes I like to compare the European Union as a creation to the organization of empires. The empires. And uh, because we have the dimension of empires, But there is a great difference. The empires were usually made through force, with a center that was imposing a diktat, a will on the others. And now we have what some authors call the first non-imperial empire. We have, by dimension, 27 countries that freely decided to work together to pool their sovereignties, if you want to use that concept of sovereignty, and work together to add value. I believe it's a great construction and we should be proud of it. So we can see then that the European leaders do have a long-term plan and that it is to continue to take away the independence, the sovereignty of the nations of Europe and to pool it into a central power so that they can become even more like an empire of old. And judging by the various statements that that Greece's new government have made, Greece may be on the edge of financial ruin, but its new government is keen to stay in Europe and to bring stability to its citizens so it also can be part of this great union. European leaders also want to achieve this for Greece as well. So what would we expect to be the political scene in the countries of Europe just before Christ returns? Well, in Daniel chapter 2, we have an amazing Bible prophecy known as Nebuchadnezzar's dream, which outlines what would happen to the ancient territory and influence of the Babylonian Empire down through time. The chapter records how that Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, had been wondering what would happen to his kingdom after his days, verse 29, and how that he was caused by God to have a dream. He was so startled by the dream that he immediately sought for an answer to its meaning when he awoke. And after his counsellors and wise men could not relate the dream or interpretation to him, the record reveals how that Daniel, a faithful captive of Judah, had the dream and its interpretation revealed to him by God. We read in verses 31 to 35 what the dream was. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image, this great image whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest, till that a stone was cut without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together, 
and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Then in verse, verses 36 to 45, we have the interpretation of the dream. In verse 37, we are told that Nebuchadnezzar himself, as head of the Babylonian kingdom, was represented by the head of gold. And in verse 39, we read that the silver represented another kingdom which would come after the Babylonians. And this was the Medo-Persian kingdom, which took over the Babylonian territory around BC 527. Also in verse 39, we read of a third kingdom which would control this territory. It was represented by the brass belly and thighs. And this represented the brazen clad Greeks who took over the territory of the Medes and Persians under Alexander the Great around BC 336. We're then told that the kingdom of the Greeks would be taken over by the iron legs representing Rome which took over the territory of the Grecian Empire around BC 28. And finally, and possibly most amazingly, Daniel is told that after this fourth empire, there would be no fifth empire to take over the whole of the territory of the kingdoms of men again, but that the territories would be broken up into weak and strong nations represented by feet which were part of iron and part of clay. So in effect... What Nebuchadnezzar's image depicts is a timeline, a continuous historic unfolding of events which have clearly come to pass as history demonstrates. These four ancient empires are the only ones to capture the whole territory of the ancient Babylonian Empire, which of course included the land of Israel. Each one has adopted aspects of the Babylonian culture and religious teachings. And Daniel saw that there would only be four of these empires which would achieve this. And then after that, the territory would be broken up with some strong and some weak nations, as the case has been since the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. It is clear then that this is where we sit in the timeline. And so what occurs next in the vision is of most importance to us. What does occur next? Well, we read how that a stone comes and hits the image on the feet in verses 34 and also later in verses 44 and 45. And this stone brings about the destruction of the image, breaking it in pieces and grinding it down like chaff. And this stone is the catalyst of a great mountain kingdom which will grow to fill the whole earth. The stone in the Bible is clearly identified with the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 21 verses 42 to 42 where Christ himself likens himself to this stone. He says the stone which the builders rejected the same is become the head of the corner and whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken but on whomsoever it shall fall it will grind him to powder. The mountain is a reference to the kingdom of God, as we read in verse 44 of Daniel 2. And in the days of these kings, the kings of the uh, feet period, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, 
but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. So how exciting is it then to see that this is something which will happen shortly in our days? The Lord Jesus Christ will return and establish the kingdom of God, the restored kingdom of Israel on the earth, upon the ruins of the kingdoms of men. Incidentally, this clearly proves that God's purpose is with the earth and that his great purpose is to establish Christ as the future king of the world, who will indeed sit on the literal throne of David, ruling God's literal kingdom on the earth, as was prophesied of him before his birth in Luke chapter 1 verse 32. What is important though to notice is in the details of verses 35 and 45. Of Daniel 2. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away that no place was found for them and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the earth. And verse 45, for as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver and the gold. The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof sure. Now these verses clearly indicate that although this vision is a timeline of events which would mean that one metal empire would supersede its predecessor, absorbing its characteristics, these passages indicate that at the time when Christ returns, aspects of each and every empire would be represented because it says that they were all broken in pieces together. For this reason, Bible students believe that for the stage to be set as depicted in the Bible, the territories of these ancient kingdoms of men will all need to unite before Christ returns. And when they do unite, the image will be standing again on the earth and be ready for the time when Christ will return. And this is clearly what we are seeing the beginning of in the unification of the nations of Europe on the ancient territories of the empires of old. And this is also the impression that is obtained by studying other prophecies, such as Ezekiel chapter 38, which describes a great confederacy of nations who will attack Israel in the same time period as the image is destroyed, termed the latter days. This term can be found in Daniel chapter 2 verse 28 and also Ezekiel 38 and verse 16. And in Ezekiel 38, we get a picture of the nations who will be united together, and these territories all marry to the combined territories of the ancient empires depicted in Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel chapter 2, showing that they will be united. In Revelation 17 we read of a symbolic beast, which the kings of the earth give their power and strength to just before Christ returns, verse 13. The beast's territory is the same as the territories of Daniel chapter 2, as in Daniel chapter 7 we read of further detail of those four empires we have already looked at in Daniel 2. But this time they are described as various beasts, each beast representing an empire and corresponding to the metals of Nebuchadnezzar's image. Daniel's fourth beast continues until Christ returns, as we read in verse 26 of Daniel 7. 
This beast is therefore the same as the beast of Revelation 17, who is also around at the time Christ returns. For we read that it shall make war with the Lamb, verse 14. Therefore we have another indication that the territories of the ancient empires of Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece and Rome will all unite in the last days and be overcome by Jesus Christ who will return to establish God's kingdom in their stead. So what does all this mean in relation to Greece and the current Euro crisis? Well, we cannot be sure of the exact twists and turns which may still be played out on the world stage before the powers unite as depicted in the scriptures. But clearly it would seem that Greece will have to be united with the rest of Europe for the image territories to be confederate together at the time of the end. Greece is, after all, represented by the belly and thighs of brass, which will be broken with all the other confederate metals. Therefore, this latest election, which is hoped to bring stability to Greece and the Eurozone, does seem to indicate that however fragile the current relationship, the Greeks are an integral part of the uniting of the image powers and will stand with a united Europe before Christ reveals himself from heaven. However, watching world events in the light of Bible prophecy is sometimes like standing on the seashore and watching the tide come in. Events seem to go backwards, but then forwards. And we clearly see that things are moving in the way the Bible has prophesied that they would in the long term. A united territory on the kingdoms of men, as the Bible depicts, is in sight and the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is at hand. It might be worth pointing out that the Bible does not say that Christ will return after that union has taken place. He may well come before the world sees that union take full shape to raise the dead and conduct the judgment of all those who have known the true gospel. So let us be on our guard then to follow the call of that gospel as outlined in the Bible and let us seek to serve God. And if we do not fully yet know or understand that gospel, let us study our Bibles and ensure it is clear to us so that we might accept it and be baptised into the saving name of Jesus Christ. Let us all continue to watch as world events unfold, knowing that God is in control, that there is a God in the heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known what shall be in the latter days. And that because we know that those four empires sat on the territory of the kingdoms of men and then that territory was divided as the Bible predicted, we can be certain that the stone will soon come and strike that image. We can be certain that soon, as we read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 7 and 8, the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the meantime, though, if Christ remains away, join us again next week, God willing, for another Bible in the News. <laughs>